Either way, it sounds like my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Two legs and ungrateful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Before we get into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to Basically Related Podcast and leave a five-star review. You can find us on YouTube as well and subscribe there. Remember to hit the notification bell so that you'll get new content whenever we drop it. Also, you can sign up for our monthly AMA episodes at basicallyrelated.com and ask a question at basicallyrelated.com forward slash AMA. We answer all your questions in a monthly episode delivered to members only. So before we begin, um, just a spoiler alert notification here that we will be talking about Andor, the series, a little bit of the plot, and how it ends. Mm -hmm. So the three of us just finished the series um, within the last few days. Um, and I gotta say, I, I have hope in Star Wars again. <laughs> a new hope. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really do. Cause I, I really enjoyed it. I was not expecting to enjoy it. Um, I watched the first episode a while ago, I think like right when it came out and I, I liked it and I was willing to, to see more of it, but it wasn't until you father that you said you should really check it out. It's actually getting mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. And it was, but I think what I liked about it was the the kind of grittiness to it the realism the realism yeah and i know that that's um something we've talked a lot about um the kind of the gritty nature of the new star of like rogue one and andor versus the more mythical archetypal Mm -hmm. original series And how do these two mesh or don't mesh? Right. You know, what's the what's the essence or nature of Star Wars? Is it supposed to be gritty? Um, I I personally liked the grittiness of mm-hmm. Rogue One and Andor. I I think uh, as the critical drinker said, it made it feel more lived in. Yeah, yeah for sure. And serious, I thought was was one of what was one of the bigger points was it felt like the actors took it seriously and that the world was real mm-hmm. and serious. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I think even from the first episode, uh, you know, when uh, that that scene where the whole um, Andor's um, story really takes off, where he kills those um, security officers. Um, yeah, I, I remember when that first uh, yeah when he when he killed them, I was like, oh dang, like I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because the guy was begging for his life. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is a Star Wars show, Disney. He's gonna, he's gonna punch gonna spare, him. Yeah, he's gonna knock him out or something. And he just shot him in the face, and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, it, it, like from the start, uh, it kind of subvert, subverted my expectations in a good way. Uh, and so, yeah, and that's like the grittiness is is a real thing. Like people, when they get hurt, when they get shot, you feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the past, you kind of had like. Um, you know the, the the stormtroopers and the rebel um, troopers were all expendable and it's, right, right. you know it didn't feel gritty and that's something that you got with this series and Rogue One of course and so Andor is the prequel to Rogue One and so mm-hmm. it has that same style of grittiness um, realism um, but even aside from the grittiness and realism uh, you know the critical drinker yeah his review was pretty good um, talking about how everything just looked like it was crafted with care the sets were realistic mm-hmm. uh the acting it wasn't like people were just trying to get a paycheck <laughs> yep. it felt like they cared mm-hmm. right um and you know i think that's that's one of the things that separates andor from the other 
Disney Star Wars TV series is it, it feels like they're just trying to cash in on the Star Wars name. Yeah. Whereas this actually felt like they cared about the story. And, you know, Star Wars, it's kind of gotten flack for trying to push a certain agenda. Uh, and so when you see these other Star Wars series that are not as engaging, uh, they're not as, um, you know, people don't care about them as mm-hmm. much, their creators, it can feel like propaganda. And you kind of just yeah. like roll your eyes and like, okay. And you just kind of get through it because you, you know, you like Obi-Wan. So mm-hmm. you're going to watch, you know, you're going to watch yep. to the end, even though if it's unbearable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whereas Andrew, you didn't feel like that. I, I did yeah. feel like this was going beyond a sense of propaganda. Yeah. Like there was a story that the writers wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's at, at the core. That's what, you know, that's what differentiates good art from something like propaganda. Yeah. I think the, so. the actors uh, particularly... Feeling like they cared may have just been because they were good actors, <laughs> you know, like they yeah. were actually good talent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the writing for sure, like the writing and the complicated, um, you know, scripts and uh, the dialogue, all of that felt like the writers did really care. Yeah. The directors cared. Uh, but yeah, that definitely a stark difference than like the last batch of things that Star Wars has been putting out. Yeah. Yeah. Star Wars and Disney and Marvel kind of like all... Uh, they they seem to and I mean there's there's a certain virtue in not taking yourself too seriously yeah but I think they've gone too far with that yeah um, mm-hmm. especially you know with uh, as if Thor now like Thor's like overweight and, like yeah. unkept and <laughs> right, it's right. like yeah uh, you, you know it it just seems like the Marvel movies are venturing too far into comedy mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah uh, I know that's something uh, we talked about with Dune yeah uh, but Dune was serious. Mm-hmm. You know, right. There wasn't a lot of you know laughter, or like yep. tense moments, cut mm-hmm. with a a joke. Right. Um, and same thing with Andor. There, there, yeah. there wasn't like this constant humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel though that with with Marvel, for example, uh, and the humor that always is trying to undercut a serious moment. I, I think the filmmakers are aware that you know superheroes uh, are touching on the archetypal. Uh, and so you're touching on, you know, uh, objective truth, objective goodness, objective mm-hmm. evil. And when you start touching on those archetypes, it can it can come off as tired or, you know, it's been done before. Right. And so in order to save themselves from ridicule, they ridicule themselves yeah. first, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's, I think that's, Part of why there's so much humor in the Marvel um, yeah. universe. Mm-hmm. Andor, I feel it's not touching on the archetypal as much as, and this is something that I want to talk about mm-hmm. um, this episode. It's not touching on the archetypal as much as the original Star Wars mm-hmm. was, right? You have like Luke Skywalker as this archetypal hero, mm-hmm. Darth Vader, you know, dressed in black. Uh, and so I feel like Andor is moving away from that. Um, those uh, stark distinctions between good and evil, uh, which which makes it you know realistic in that sense. Uh, I think yeah, Rogue yeah. One was the same way, mm-hmm. where you know remember in Andor he said like I've done things for the rebellion that I don't want to even speak about, uh, right? But that's and and I think that that's why there could be a lack of humor, mm-hmm. is because well this is more realistic, uh, and so let's treat it like that. We're not laughing at every moment, and maybe the uh, the unspoken philosophy there is that archetypes are silly <laughs> um right. you know like if we talk about 
these stark distinctions mm -hmm. of good and evil and these right. archetypes, it, that's the old way of thinking, mm. right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like trying yeah, to you know, think through this myself. It does seem like the original Star Wars is we're definitely dealing with something um, in like a, you know, higher fractal level, if you will, like that archetypal mm -hmm. pattern. So there is some sort of, uh, you know, kind of surrealness to it. Obviously, it's in space, but um, with Andor, it does seem like it's on lower level of like what happens when these archetypes are now embodied in reality. <clears throat> like something like politics happens, and that's like mm -hmm. kind of what you're seeing. You have like rebels fighting against a tyrannical, you know, quote unquote government. Yeah. But um, it really, the way to take that seriously and have a, a good portrayal of that without um, kind of dismissing archetypal ideas is really something like, a battle of ideas. Yeah. You know I'm saying like, and that's what you see in Andor. It's like, they're just like, you know, ideas of rebellion, ideas of um, the empire and what they stand for. And those are in conflict. Yeah. And so it's really this kind of political, not in the modern sense of political, like Republicans versus Democrats, but it's like of the polis, like of people talking about their yeah. ideas and how to live in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This idea is coming to me right now. It's half baked. <laughs> Here it comes. I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get it out there. But so Star Wars, uh, the original one, is about the, the singular hero. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could argue that Andor and you know, uh, Andor, Rogue One, and the prequels are all sort of the... Luke is the amalgamation mm. of their hopes. Yes. In a sense. Because okay. like yeah. the, mm -hmm. the hero is the, is the archetypal or the collective image of, of, of the people, of what right. they hope for. Um, so all the rebellion is crystallized into one person, mm, yeah. which is Luke. Yep. Right. Mm. So that story is of the entire rebellion in one person. Yes. Right. That's actually a really good point. And I had thought about that while watching Andor, how you see all the like the suffering that the people are going mm -hmm. through. Uh, it's gritty. It's realistic. Um, and I thought, like, this is in the same universe where Luke Skywalker is the hero. Mm -hmm. And I thought that actually... Um, it, for me, it, it brought a sense of more. Uh, I, I was attracted to the show a little bit more mm -hmm. from that, because you have like these people who are trying and failing, but what they don't know is that a hero will rise among them and right. you know save them from their troubles mm -hmm. and like almost this like Christological sense yep. of like yep. you know we need someone beyond like outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It was that that man Luke who becomes a Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. Remembering like redeeming his father. Like, you know, experiencing that whole archetypal yep. hero's journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's what redeems the galaxy, essentially. Yeah, it's like having micro versions of, like, a Christological figure and, like, priests, prophets, and kings that have, like, risen and fallen throughout history yeah. and, and God trying to reach out to the, the, the Jewish people and, like, build a nation, like, that whole thing. And then it all crystallizes into Christ. Yeah. Right, right, because, you know, Mon Mothma, like, political, you know, mm -hmm. angling, Luthien's uh, sort of... Uh, dark dealings <laughs> with mm -hmm. uh, fringe radicals, yep. uh, you know, a terroristic activity, terroristic, I don't know if that's mm -hmm. a, a word, but, um, yeah, let's go with it. you know, yeah. terrorist uh, <laughs> activities, all these things um, are, are going to go on forever. Right. It kind of seems like yeah. unless one man, you know, the son mm. of, yep. of Vader mm -hmm. destroys it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's actually only him. Because yeah. you could, as you said, in theory, go back and forth forever yeah. with politics right. and yeah. with uh, guerrilla warfare mm -hmm. and whatever else. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's like the normal cycle of life in that like you have the the overpowerful structure and then the the rebellion that revivifies it and it's just kind of cycles through like powers, the Roman Empire and like all the just like every civilization has that cycle mm-hmm. and you end up in that cycle forever unless something like Christianity comes right. in, like re- some sort of religious archetypal thing that's like, okay, here's something to transcend all that. Yeah. Right. And so I think, I think Andor and Rogue One are like justified in that grittiness because it is the like lowest level of the cycle of reality yeah. mm-hmm. until something like an archetypal story, like a new hope right. emerges. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the person who's going to put an end to this yeah. is, is the archetypal hero, mm-hmm. yeah. not uh, like I said, a, a group of rebels. Right. But right. the one individual, and, and just to be clear, that archetypal hero is not Ray. <laughs> yeah, just so <laughs> yes, we're clear. Just we're clear. Right. Although it kind of makes it seem like that now, but yeah, we'll, I we'll don't just know. pretend that the the sequels never happened. Those, yeah, yeah. I, they don't they don't exist in my head. <laughs> I mean, so you have. I mean, I wonder how George Lucas would, um, well, what 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 George Lucas's opinion would be on Andor. Because mm-hmm. in multiple interviews about the core of Star Wars, uh, he talks about the archetype, right? And he talks about how, I remember there's one interview where he said, it, you know, if these values that we upheld um, in our cultures for thousands of years, mm-hmm. they were applicable over centuries, it's like, wouldn't they still be applicable today? And, you know, it's easy to read the original trilogy and map it onto, you know, Joseph Campbell's philosophy. Yeah, um, And that's what, that's what Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, you have Luke Skywalker destroying the Death Star and killing hundreds of thousands of stormtroopers, <laughs> yeah. this is not a gritty moment where it's like all those lives, you mm-hmm. know, all the, you know, they had families. Because because in the original Star Wars, the Empire is a, a symbol of, it's an archetype. Right. And so he's destroying evil, right? You're not supposed to personify mm-hmm. uh, each right. s- uh, stormtrooper, mm-hmm. right? Um. Whereas I feel like Andrew is just going in the complete opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'm not taking away from Andrew. I think it was a great series. Um, and it was, you know, it, it didn't feel like, you know, there was a, like a, a sense of propaganda with the, yeah. you know, the awoke messaging mm-hmm. um, yeah. as much in it. But I guess my question is like, is it faithful to the Star Wars ethos, right? Um, right. Like, again, like what would George Lucas think about this? I, I don't know um, if he would have a problem with like something in his universe taking place like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, could this yeah. potentially be a thing that happens in the Star Wars universe? Like, But if you're going to try to tell an archetypal story, like a Luke Skywalker story, at the level of just political rebellion, yeah, that's where I feel like he would have conflict. Yeah. You know I'm saying? He's like, I built this world so I could tell this archetypal story. That doesn't necessarily mean that something else at a lower level could occur on Tatooine. You know, like... <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah, it just has to be consistent, I guess. Not, yeah. uh, And that's why I think the... The sequel trilogy is a little bit more problematic because it's dealing with Luke Skywalker directly, right? And it's subverting the archetype. Right. Um, so that's why that makes, in my mind, mm-hmm. that that's much more problematic yep. to the Star Wars ethos. Uh, Andor seems like, it, like you said, like you can run parallel to it, not necessarily undermining the yeah. central ethos mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Yeah, it so. seems like Andor's working at a at a lower level. Yeah, um, it's not working at the the higher level of the archetypal and the, the symbolic, but um, more. Kind of on the individual gritty level, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, like you said, um, of its yeah. groups and stuff. But I do think that Andor then can actually, uh, you said, run parallel or it it, it supports the original trilogy mm-hmm. in, in a sense of like the, mm-hmm. the collective hopes of, I guess, of these people again right. give birth to, right? 
of the yeah. Luke Skywalker. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, because essentially grittiness and realism was never part of the original Star Wars. But that doesn't necessarily mean that grittiness and realism are essential to make a compelling story. Sure. Um, and I think that that's what, um, yeah, that, that's that's a, I think a question that um, people, you know, can can wonder at and and mm-hmm. just wonder, you know, is 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 Andor good because it's like for adults, you know? Right? Um, yeah. They they actually curse yeah, yeah. in this series, mm-hmm. which they never did before in any Star Wars series. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it like is that what makes it good? Is that like it's right. for a mature audience, mm-hmm. and so that's why it's good. It's not for the kiddos, you know. Um, right. Right. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily uh-huh. the case. Right. Um, so yeah. I yeah, that's know. interesting. You have you know um, fantasy series like Lord of the Rings. Right. It's gritty. Um, but there's no ambiguity in the good and evil. Whereas, like in, in Andor, mm-hmm. you have like the characters like Luthen, um, who are um, you know doing mischievous acts mm-hmm. to for the greater good. Um, whereas Lord of the Rings, it's it's very stark. Good and yeah. evil is very uh, distinct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have that a- ambiguity in the heroes. Right. Um, I mean, of course, you have Boromir who's weak, but he's not mm-hmm. evil, right? Uh, but you know that that shows how like you don't need that ambiguity to be a compel to have a compelling story. Sure. To have yep. um, yeah, uh, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah a good story. So I don't know. These are just random thoughts that uh, that went through my mind uh, on the nature of stories, nature of Star mm-hmm. Wars. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, regarding rebellion, I thought there were some interesting uh, kind of tropes going on uh, in the series. I really liked how um, it showed, like that whole like the heist mm-hmm. s- part, um, talking about uh, how they had just like different people from different like motives together to do one thing. It's like I don't know what your reasons are for rebellion, but we're gonna go do this heist um, on Aldani. I thought it was interesting how it seemed like it could work and it played out, but then in the end, it all fractured. Mm-hmm. Because there was no coherent, like, what are we fighting for? And you kind of saw that bubbling mm-hmm. up with Nemec's character and, and discussions around the fire pit or whatever. Like, just like, what are you for? And I don't trust you. And so there's still like this kind of bickering, even though if they all know what they're against, mm-hmm. that wasn't enough. Right. You need to know like what you're fighting for. And mm-hmm. I, like, I really mm-hmm. like that point, especially like in our times now when there's a lot of like, you know, culture war against the left. It's like, okay, but what... What are you going to build? Yeah, instead, you have to have, you have, yeah. to have a compelling vision, right? Because if you don't, like, th- there's an there's an opposing force on the far right side that's also pulling in in that direction. You don't you don't want to be pulled on either side. So it's like just because you're fighting the left doesn't mean that like Milo Fuentes and Kanye are like a good matchup <laughs> to save yeah. the country. You know, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Like, that's which, a real thing. Which you know, I would say sometimes people on the extremes do have a vision. Yeah, and that's perhaps right. why. Mm-hmm. that yeah. they're drawn whereas people maybe in the middle are just sort of well i know i don't like that yeah yeah it's like well right. you know eventually people are like well i don't like that but this person has a vision that's closer to mine right yep. so i'm going to get pulled in that direction yeah yeah that's really true i <laughs> i personally really liked that <laughs> this is sarah's probably gonna get on <laughs> me for this but i i personally liked that andor was he was a little nihilistic you yeah. know, he was uh-huh. a little, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, yeah, he, just, yeah. He was just a little emotionless, like you're just like, yeah, because he. I'm just trying to make my way in the universe. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> it was like uh, Namek asked him, mm-hmm. well, "What are you for?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "Well, I just know what I'm against." Yeah, you know, I, I just 
Like I'm here to do a job. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like I was paid. Yeah. I'm going to do this job. He, he ends yeah. up uh, killing that one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He taking the money and being like, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. like, I got my money. I'm yeah. gone. And then he goes off to some yeah. like tropical Island. Right. And it's like, Star Wars Miami. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, that's, yeah, so that's what it seems like. I was like, dang, like this yeah. guy's kind of, just kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, uh, I, I like that. Um, uh -huh. But it goes to your point, Matt, though, that his kind of nihilistic tendency wasn't, that couldn't hold the group together. Right. Yeah. Like, you can't just yeah. have a pure, mm -hmm. like, we're in this to destroy. No, right. You have to have, you have to build something yeah. as well. That's, um, it's like, yeah, that, that saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Um, but once your enemy, your common enemy is destroyed, then what happens to yeah. that bond? Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. what you saw in the heist is that once they got the money mm -hmm. and or turned and killed the guy and right. took the money and like the whole group just disintegrated. Yeah. Because yeah. their common en enemy was no longer in front of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so. Yeah. yeah I, I guess um, going back to the original versus Andor, kind of in the original series, you see a unified rebels. It's like archetypal rebel versus archetypal empire. Mm -hmm. But in Andor, you're really seeing um, Saul Guerrero mentions it. He's like, you have this group, you have this group, mm -hmm. you have this group. Yeah. What, what are we going to yeah. do? Like right. basically like you have all these different guys fight. Like right. uh, how are you, how are you going to pull this together? And Luthien seems to be saying like, Oh, I, I can work with all these groups. Right. But Saul Guerrero, mm -hmm. I don't know what you guys thought of this thing, but it seemed like he was saying, uh, Guerrero was saying, you can't. Right. Like, you can't just, you have mm -hmm. to pick one of these groups or something. Right, like, yeah. you can't just have radical, fr you know, fringe rebels mm -hmm. working with these politicians. Right. Yeah. They, they don't want the same thing. Yep. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, I, I, like in that one scene where Luthien was talking to the, um, uh, the spy from the Empire, I think that was one of the best scenes where he said, like, what is he willing to sacrifice? Mm. Right. Um, and he essentially said, I'm willing to sacrifice everything. Um, yep. And, you know, he said, like, uh, I, I'm fighting for a sunrise that I'll never see. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in that, I have to listen to it again. Um, but he was insinuating that he's also willing to sacrifice his morals mm. um, for victory, right? Um, and this is uh, something um, I was um, watching a uh, video essay on Lord of the Rings recently. Um, but I think um, one of the philosophies in Lord of the Rings applies here, too. Mm. Typically, when... Whenever there's a, a fight between two groups, um, the question you would assume is being asked is, what are you willing to sacrifice for victory? Mm -hmm. But Tolkien asks, what values are you willing to uphold to suffer defeat? Right. Right. Um, like, what, like it, are there some values that are higher mm -hmm. um, that victory is not worth it? Right. And that's what separates like a morally upstanding good guy mm -hmm. <laughs> versus a... Um, a more ambiguous type right. of Luthan um, mm -hmm. character. And so, you know, I, I'm wondering if, um, because uh, essentially if, if, let's just say the rebels would win on that philosophy, that like mm -hmm. we're willing to sacrifice everything, even our values to win. Well, then when they establish their reign <laughs> and they overthrow the empire, it's just going to be the same another thing. empire. It's right? just more power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't have any values that you're standing for, then um, you will just be like the, the, mm -hmm. the, the group that you just toppled. Mm -hmm. um, it's just going to be a, a cycle of yep. evil, essentially. Um, there has to be some values that you uphold that you're willing to suffer defeat for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm speculating here. Andor is supposed to go on for another season. Um, mm. I think, and then it'll end at is that, that right? point. I think so. Um, so it would be interesting to see 
Luthen's end. You know, we know he's not in the um, continuing Star mm-hmm. Wars saga. And so to see, like, if that philosophy is going to hold up or right. is he going to succumb to it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and is he going to be a traitor? Um, you know, is he going to be right. too radical? Um, in, in some way, he's, he, he does have to perish, I think. His, I think his, like, um, the logical end for that character mm-hmm. is some kind of um, failure and, right. and just some mm-hmm. end, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I, I thought that speech where he was talking to the spy was very, um, very telling, showed his character well, mm-hmm. um, and showed the, I think, the underlying, um, it was a beautiful speech, actually, and he gave it really compellingly. The acting was great, mm-hmm. writing good, but it was ultimately um, corrupt at its core. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it um, it it seems like if the rebels, you know, if they don't have a unified vision, then it it seems like it could become a, a French Revolution moment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, where yeah. you know the French Revolution went from uh, monarchy to anarchy to dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Right. That you you can if if you have all these groups that are trying to uh, topple the empire, but all with different aims. Yep. You're just gonna topple it. Then maybe there'll be more infighting. Right. Then you'll you'll say, well, we need one person to control all these people, yeah. and then it's like, well, well, it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, you're right back mm-hmm. square one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. So, yeah. I I think this Luke again is supposed to I think represent the best of the of the the rebel movement. Yeah, exactly. And they're supposed to. The, yeah. That's what it seems like in um, the Mandalorian that now the Empire is. Or, I'm sorry, the the rebels have consolidated into the New Republic. And it seems like they're they're consolidated around the end the idea of the Jedi right again mm-hmm. yeah right yeah 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 that's um, what it seems like I think um no that's a really good point because I think Luke is the antithesis to someone like Luthen whereas Luthen is willing to do anything to win mm-hmm. Luke in the end will not kill his father right even if he knows that's going to mean defeat for him mm-hmm. he gives up his own life to uphold the value of the goodness he sees in his father right. and that's what the emperor that's what the new age, um, the, what, what was that era called, called? I guess after the uh, mm-hmm. post empire. Mm-hmm. That's what that's oh, built the, on. The new republic. The new yeah, republic. Yeah, um, the new republic is built on that um, upholding good, right? In the f- uh, even if it means your own personal defeat. Um, that's mm-hmm. and that's what allowed the new republic to flourish. Right. Um, it's it, again like Luke is that savior figure, mm-hmm. um, and it's his love for his father that yep. brought him to that level, whereas Luthen's idea. You can you can ultimately through that philosophy you can win skirmishes, <laughs> you can win battles, um, but you can't build a culture on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because I I think that me, there was very little reference to, unless I I'm forgetting, but there was very little reference to the, the way things were prior to the empire, because mm. there's some people that. It mm-hmm. seems like in the in the original series and <clears throat> maybe in uh, Rogue One that the reason why they're fighting the Empire is because they knew what life was like before the Empire, right? Yeah, and and they also believed that the Jedi were betrayed, that they didn't actually mm. do the betraying. Yeah, and the only person who might believe that is Mon Mothma. Okay, because it seems like Luthien doesn't. It isn't like well, you know, I. I remember what it was like under the Jedi, and right. that that was good. Right, and I, we need to mm-hmm. get back to that. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like it's just oh, I don't like that these guys are all up in my business. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, and some of these, and some of the other rebels seem the same way. You know, yeah. uh, Saul Guerrero, I think, just wants to, he just wants to kill. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then I guess Andor's mother, I you know, I, I, I I'm drawing a blank. I could be totally wrong, but she also seems to embody like the past too. Right. Um mm-hmm. like like you said, like, you know, we remember the time before the Empire. Um like, yeah, I, I do wish that I wish there was more um talk about the Jedi. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Bit, um, <laughs> bring well, back. You're right. Bring, bring back, back the Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> um, well, I guess just like as a, a motivating factor of like, well, why do you want to replace the Empire? It's yeah. Like, well, because I know that this is not how things are supposed to be. Yeah. And right. I know that things are. It wasn't always this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't seem yeah. like the, the other characters. To be fair, though, um, and, and Lucas's own words, um, the Jedi were not always. Um, it was almost like too much order. Yeah. And, and so um, there didn't. There had to be a new. Um, mm. Uh, like a um, revival, a rev- yeah, a revival yeah, of the sure. Jedi Order. That's what Luke brought in, mm-hmm. and so it couldn't just go back to what it was. It had to be mm-hmm. something new. Um, I th- there was an interesting moment uh, towards the end of the series where Mon Mothma's daughter is like in her little like club. Her her trad, her yeah. rad trad. Yeah, yeah, club. her like Latin mass. <laughs> no, it group. really is. It, it was it. really interesting <laughs> because yeah, yeah. that that's exactly what I felt like. Like yeah. she was like looking for some sort of order and structure in this almost like quasi religious thing. And yeah. it's like this is what breeds out of this type of environment. And it's exactly what you're seeing with like the the swing back to traditional liturgy yeah. and such. And it's like, no, they're doing the young generation, there's a huge swath of them that wants this. Yeah. yeah and they're yeah. trying to seek it in other ways. Yeah, her uh her like progressive aunt comes in and is like, "What's going on?" And yeah. Mon Mothra's got her like Hillary Clinton haircut. Yeah, and she's like ah, I don't know why she's yeah. doing this rad trend yeah. stuff. Yeah. These like, kids, right? <laughs> that yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, um, funny. Yeah, because she's at the end, she's in a like a quasi um, arranged marriage. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to be totally ups- opposed. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? Yeah, no. Like she sees him and and mm-hmm. kind of like smiles in like a polite. Yeah, um, he's not bad. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, wow, you know. Uh, the you have these two women um, that are saying she could be anything like she's liberated mm-hmm. she could do anything but why is she choosing to yeah. do this traditional thing and get into a, mm-hmm. an arranged marriage yeah <laughs> um, that's that, yeah, yeah that, that was is a, interesting um where do you guys think that this story in season two is going to like how's it going to culminate like I feel like you know one one plot point that wasn't really wrapped up is what happened to the money that Andor stole. The eighty million. I think he still has it. He still has it. Right, because he he's at that. He's in Miami. Yeah, in space Miami. Well, so he and took his portion. So he took the two hundred. Right? Did he leave the rest? He said he left the rest. He, wait, the eighty million. Yeah. Really? Okay, so he yeah. only took his portion. Yeah, that's what he told. Uh, what's her face? Like when he was on that planet after the heist, yeah, and he killed that guy. Okay, I forget all these names. But yeah. um, he I was like, "I'm taking my portion. You take the ship." I'm out. Okay. Um, and he paid thirty thousand okay. dollars for that the doctor's thing and ship. Peaced out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember. I feel like that money is what's going to um, fund the rebellion. Yeah. Um, I mean, that whole point was that like Mon Mothma was sending the money. Um, Luthen was trying to get more from yeah, her, but right. she was like, "It's get, there was more surveillance," and he's like, "All right, I'm just busting out." Okay. Eighty okay. million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah. Where it goes. Okay. I feel like Luthen is gonna die. <laughs> Essentially, everybody who's not in a future Star Wars <laughs> show yeah. is gonna. Mon Moth- yeah, Mon Moth- <laughs> That's the how they ended one. Rogue One. They were like, "All these characters, what do we do with them? Just nuke them." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Which now, after watching Andor, I feel kind of sad. Yeah, because you know, yeah, when, when you watched it, uh, when you watch Rogue One, it's like, well, yeah, I don't really know these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like yeah. them, but I don't really know them. Thanks but, for the plans. Yeah, exactly. But now it's like you know. 
who, yeah. who Cassie and Andrew is. You're like, ah, it's kind of sad. Dying on the beach. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you certainly know where that, yeah, his character ends up. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, there was um, a decent amount of, uh, I guess, I don't know how to say it, strong female leads mm-hmm. in this. But I thought it was done pretty well. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I know people might uh, at first kind of see that and be taken aback or yep. think of uh, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was a, a big difference between how they did female leadership in The Last Jedi and how they did it in Andor. Yeah. Um, in The Last Jedi, it was very kind of like squashing, belittling, mm-hmm. you know. What, what men, is that? Right. Yeah, what? Yeah. Belittling yeah, but, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the women, yeah, the, yeah, the female leadership was belittling men, you yeah. know, take it easy fly boy or yeah, whatever right. it was, you know, like <laughs> hot rod and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And um, like we're in charge. Mm-hmm. But in Andor, I thought it was very much uh, the women were there to, uh, it's like a call to action for mm-hmm. some of the men. Yep. For sure. Um, particularly uh, Marva mm-hmm. uh, was like that. Even mm-hmm. um, Cyril's mother. Yeah. <laughs> she was like a like a New Jersey mom. Yeah. yeah. You know, like <laughs> New Jersey eatable mother. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of <laughs> nagging at him. Um, but even then, that play, I thought she was real though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this is this is definitely mm-hmm. someone's New Jersey mom. Yeah. Like yeah. 100%. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Even um, Mon Mothma was kind of working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I I have a theory that she eventually gets her husband on board with it. Mm. Um, so like kind of calling him out of because he kind of has like this uh, like rich malaise. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of comfortable. Like I have money. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I I actually think that she subtly gets him into it. Mm. And I told you that theory. Um, yeah. But uh, and then even um, Daedra. Yeah. Right. Miro. That's her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She uh, she has definitely like a, a power drive right and she mm-hmm. like wants to climb the ladder and get to the top mm-hmm. but it's it's done very like kind of coyly yeah like it's, she's very coy she's very smart mm-hmm. um it's not this like kind of i don't, I don't know the way to say it other than like belittling and squashing yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah there was a moment uh that i thought of the same thing when she was having a discussion with her supervisor and uh he was like why why do you suspect that this is like organized rebellion and she's just like gut instinct. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's how you write a female character because mm-hmm. that's the feminine character is right. to have that gut instinct. And then he responds like, well, I need hard data. Yeah. And so now you're seeing this like masculine and feminine pull, push and pull. Yeah. Whereas that you couldn't with like something like the Marvel characters where it's like, here's a hero story and we could swap out the guy for a girl and we, it's just a toss it up. It would make no difference. It would make no difference. Yeah. That's a bad character. Yeah. Like these characters, these female characters are inherently female in their character and you can't just swap them out for males yeah or else it wouldn't fit for a guy to be like oh it's gut instinct it's like okay you know maybe he's a little more artistic <laughs> but <laughs> sure um yeah. but this, these are definitely like archetypally female characters right, right. like mon mothma working in uh in the dark kind of like you were saying in the notes like the benny jesuit from dune mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then the mother figure andors yeah mother, yeah, um, yeah 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 even yeah all of the female characters they all right. had just that, that inherently female yeah nature to them. Well, and, yeah. and the thing is, like, in order to write a strong female character, you don't need to write a weak male character. Um, right. You know, give all of them their due, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll shine in their right. own ways. So yep. Yeah. <clears throat> if you take, uh, I guess, the feminine as uh, unconscious and then the masculine as consciousness at the end there where uh, Marva 
uh, has her final like video farewell, mm-hmm. which I told you, Father, I want to do when I die <laughs> my funeral. I want to have a, a, I wanna have like a video of like, hey, revolt, <laughs> tear down the government. <laughs> um, <laughs> it won't, and maybe by then it'll be a, a, a projection, yeah, yeah, a little hologram. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll have the technology. Uh-huh. Otherwise, we can just do like a, a Zoom video. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Um, whatever, whatever technology you have. VHS, but, you know, at your funeral. <laughs> 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 we we found this for a thousand dollars on eBay. You know. Um, when she has her her video, she's calling people to to like wake up, mm-hmm. essentially calling people to consciousness to yep. to like we've been slumbering for too long, yeah. and as we were asleep, um, as we were unconscious, they came in slowly. Mm-hmm. The vampire came in, and now I'm calling you to action. Yep. And there were you know a lot of men in the crowd that were listening to her. There were some some had um, some were uh, figures like the guy who worked in the steel yard mm-hmm. um, and others. I forget their names, but they all listen and then take action. Yeah, right. It's like that's that's a good role. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like she mm-hmm. she was never strictly powerful in the masculine sense. Like right. you know, she never took out her blaster, mm-hmm. or was you know shooting yeah. people down, or or you know, you know, fist fighting. Yeah, <laughs> right. But right. she she called them all to do something. Yep. and influenced all the men around her. Right. Without yep. ever having to raise a gun. Yeah. It's like yeah. That, that's a good character. I um I'm. I want to mention two videos from Peugeot. This is my limit for the week. Um, <laughs> um, so he was talking about uh, the Spider-Man series and storytelling and how this kind of multiverse uh, way of telling storytelling is very kind of postmodern and it's like a destruction of all narratives. There's like a million narratives. And he was showing how the last one, was it Far From Home? Mm-hmm. Um, how there was kind of like a flip there where they took the uh, metaverse aspect or the multiverse aspect um, and then uh, showed that like within every instance of Spider-Man, there's like a Spider-Man that's above all the Spider-Mans, like archetypal Spider-Man mm-hmm. that, that the, you know, the third Spider-Man has to like do. He mm-hmm. has to be like that, like overarching Spider-Man. Yeah. So he was saying how like even the postmodern uh attempt to destroy the narrative there's a way to flip that story in that you can now point to something that's above a multiverse it's just a really interesting way about Mm. storytelling and how to use that i feel like there's something there that's going on with andor and this is the second Peugeot video he's doing a series on exodus in tandem with uh peterson's Mm -hmm. he was talking about how um when moses emerges right from the river he's talking about that scene um you have Egypt oppressing everybody, right? Killing off all the males. Inherently, you have what's left is like a very female culture. Mm. Just like a lot of potential. Um, and, and then he's talking about the scene when uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in the water. Everybody in that scene is female. And so it's it's the daughter, her assistant is female, the mother who birthed Moses is female, his his sister's female. Mm-hmm. And you're saying how there's just a big female presence because the whole point is that like this is what the oppression has led to and that the the rising masculinity has been suppressed. Mm-hmm. And so it's all been like focused into one point in Moses and all you see is around, around is female characters. I feel like there's something like that going on in Andor in this kind of flip and being like, why are all these strong female presences? It's like, well, there is something about the strong female presence being there in an oppressive society because all they've done is oppress the male 
urge to rebel. So all these characters being female and calling out the male uh, spirit. Spirit, yeah, yeah thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of like flip on this a postmodern, like, let's have all these female characters in here. It's like, I feel like there is the, a, a right way to tell that story. Interesting. Without just being like, no female characters. No, let's just stick with males. Like, no, there's a way to do that. Yeah. And I feel like for storytellers, that's something that they could use in, in being like the woman calling out the male back into authority. Yeah. Is a really interesting uh, storytelling trope that kind of fits. And I feel like Andor is kind of pulling that off. Interesting. And it's not just yeah. being this woke thing with just right. a laundry list of female characters. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's true because even in the um, the Exodus story, you still have the w- women acting in the archetypal way of kind of sly again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, like the uh, the is it? Yeah, it's the Hebrew midwives. Uh-huh. They're like, well, why aren't you killing the children? Yeah. Like, well, no, like the Hebrew women are, are robust. Right. Yeah, and they, they give children, and so they're uh-huh. they're kind of concealing yep. the fact that they're not doing their job. Yeah, and right. by and through that way, yep. through kind of like an underhanded mm-hmm. way, not through um, physical force. Right. You know, they, the Egyptians, or I'm sorry, the Hebrews continue to multiply. Right. Yeah. And God blesses that. God mm-hmm. blesses the fact that they're concealing yeah. again mm-hmm. like this, right. this. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a, a really good point. Um, what else? Do you guys have any other points on uh, the series that you th- thought would agree? So I'll give my my theory on um, what was his name Mon Mon Mothma's husband. I don't remember. I forget his name. He was so he was so repressed by his aggressive <laughs> wife that he doesn't even have a name. <laughs> no, I don't know. I liked his like he had like a samurai bun. <laughs> yeah, 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 I like that. That was a good look. Yeah. It even had kind of like kimonos. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I guess that's a style on Coruscant. Um, so uh, the their driver is a empire spy, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And so she's having trouble getting money out of her account. Um, and she says at one point to, uh, to Vel, like, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And it seems like what that means is that she's, she's going to go with that, like, smuggler, mm-hmm. shady guy. Mm-hmm. But they go to that party, Mon Mothma and her husband. They get into the car, and they have a little bit of fight. And they're like... You've mm-hmm. been gambling again. Mm-hmm. And it's like you've been gambling. It's like mm-hmm. I'm not gambling. And there's they bicker, mm-hmm. and it flashes to the driver, and he's listening. And then yeah. the driver reports to uh, the Empire. You know her husband's gambling again. Mm-hmm. You know this is good. This will drain her resources. And the 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 officer says, "Oh, that's why there's been money coming yeah. out of their account. Mm-hmm. It's because he's gambling." Mm-hmm. Now there's no explicit conversation that she has with him. But I wonder if that was all a lie. I think it was. It's like, like, I to think hide the fact. To yeah, hide that, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's like, we're we're gonna say you're For gambling sure. again. Yep. Yeah. And that because because then the officer almost dismisses it. He's mm-hmm. like, perfect. Yep. That you know they'll continue to draw right. out money. Yeah. They'll go bankrupt. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's a good cover. Yep. Because now it's like, yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought the th- same thing. Like whether or not sh- her husband knows, I think she knew that he was gonna listen in. Yeah, and she was like, "Let me." The driver was going to listen in, and yeah. so she's like, "Let me plant this seed." Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess he doesn't necessarily have to be in on it. Mm-hmm. He could just accuse her. She could accuse him. Right. You're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and in front of the driver. Uh, yeah, and then they'll be like, "Oh, okay, that's yeah. why." So yeah, that's yeah. actually true. Maybe yeah. he isn't in on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a good, good piece of writing, like whether or not, you know. He, the husband knows, but I, I thought that was again like that female like slyness of like setting this all, all this stuff up. I thought that was a really good moment. Yeah, 
Yeah, I thought there was some some good points on um, the nature of of freedom, mm-hmm. uh, freedom and tyranny. That uh, I think Namek talks a little bit about that it's that this is unnatural, like the un- the level of control that the empire yeah. wants yep. is unnatural, and that the empire insists that they're giving you security, they're giving you peace, they're giving you resources, like just kind of be grateful. Yeah, that we're giving you everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, but men are not animals to where you can just have them content eating and sleeping. Right. Like that right. natural instinct to rise up and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's for chaos, for good, or for, you know, creative spirit, um, it has to be free. So, yeah, I guess yeah. it's a, uh, that, that balance, uh, that, that Jung talks about, like, you know, if you, fo- if you focus all your energy into this, this tyrannical order, then what's going to happen is there's going to be an, an uprising yeah. of, mm-hmm. of disorder. Yeah, exactly. If you, uh, but it, it goes unchecked because the empires is, as they say many times, so big mm-hmm. and right. so proud of mm-hmm. themselves that they can't possibly think that there might be something going on right. uh, under yeah. the surface. Yeah. Uh, I have something here from, uh, from Notes from the Underground <laughs> where he talks about that you know, the definition of a man is a being that goes on two legs is, and is ungrateful. You know, that you can give man everything that he wants, that all he has to do is kind of eat, sleep, and, you know, in, enjoy his life. But he'll do something nasty right. just out of sheer ingratitude. Like, it's even when you give him everything he, he wants, mm. he'll still destroy it mm-hmm. just to, like, prove that he is still free and is yeah. not, as he says, uh, he's not a piano string. He's not a number. All right. You know, man loves to create, but it seems like he also loves to destroy. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think there's a little bit of that that interplay going on. Didn't Dostoevsky have a bunch of kids? I don't know. I thought he did. I don't know. Either way, it sounds like my kids. <laughs> 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 Two legs and ungrateful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, it's you know, it's it's pessimistic, but it's it seems like sometimes it fits the bill. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It, um, yeah. Uh, I think certainly from the empire's point of view. This is, you know, they're ungrateful children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're giving you everything. Just be happy. Right. But human nature needs more than just, you know, as you said, Father, just peace and security and food. Yeah. It's like yeah. you need, right. you need something to do. Something yeah. to struggle with to yeah. find that meaning. Right. I mean, you, I mean, like, I joke around with about my kids, but it's like, that's what they're doing. They're just like haphazardly trying to like grapple with something, even if all the things are provided for them. And that's like a natural response. Yeah. You want to set right. up an environment for them to do that in a cohesive way. Right. Right. Um, talks about, uh, in the, in the, from the underground as well, it's like that man almost wants to suffer, will mm. do things mm. to make himself suffer. Right. Yeah. Uh, that there's something about that that brings him life, vitality, mm-hmm. uh, and awareness. Um, right. Yeah, that's interesting. And I don't know, uh, Cyril, it kind of seems like maybe Cyril has a little bit of that going on. Like he, he gets his like first taste of, right. I, I could... I can do something more than right. just yeah yeah absolutely. What's that saying? Um, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like you know yep. that with men, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he's also gonna... offered like an office job, and he's still discontent. Right, living with his parents, like yeah, he's yeah. being yeah. fed. Right. What was it? Um, uh, Captain Star Crunch? Wars tricks. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain Crunch. It looked like it looked like Star Wars tricks. <laughs> it looks, no, it looks like oops, all berries. That's what it looks <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Oops, all Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. The heck? Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> was it with blue milk, too? I don't yeah. know. It was. It was, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's good. a good place to put the <laughs> stop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> On the oops, all berries. <laughs> um, basicallyrelated.com to sign up for our AMAs. I met Hylam on social media and Lee's Coach Lee. See y'all later.